We're back with another Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. Tonight, we're catching up with football legend Paul Wiggin. Welcome back to Skull Stories presented by 3M. Tonight, we're catching up with a man who's been around the game of football for seven decades. He played with Jim Brown with the Browns and was the head coach at both Stanford and with the Kansas City Chiefs. He's still working with the Minnesota Vikings to this day, and I think you're really going to enjoy our conversation tonight with football legend Paul Wiggin. Well, if you were to title this gentleman's entire story, it would be a football life. And I think about Paul Wiggin, and I think about decades and decades of service and love and passion for this game of football. Paul, thanks for, for joining us. And I guess it all started back uh, in Modesto, California. And, and t- talk about that experience about growing up and how your football career began, because this was the 30s, 40s. What do you remember about your, your childhood and all those those years, formative years? Well, the thing I remember most about growing up is that uh, I didn't know a lot about football when I was a kid. We played, we, but we didn't. We, I, I, I thought in those days, I, I didn't know the difference between offense and defense when I was <laughs> asked at high school. And, uh, you know, and I thought a fullback had to be better than a halfback because it was twice as much. And, I, you know, I just had some strange <laughs> uh, ideas about the game. But I guess I, I was a little bit of a natural kid for football. And when I, when I started into the game, my dad decided that I should probably tighten up some of my body parts and, and get ready and, and be, build myself up a little bit. So he, he insisted, and I, when my dad insisted I didn't have a choice, uh, I, to, that I go work in a brickyard. And my brother and I handled 20,000 bricks a day in the brickyard. But it really did help me thin down and, and become more of, a, of an athlete. And, and in high school, I was, uh, I was young. I couldn't, I couldn't play varsity football until I was a junior because in the state of California, you have to be 15 years old. So I was 14 and I couldn't play varsity, but I played varsity my last two years. And I think in high school, I was, I was a decent athlete. I was young. Mm-hmm. If, if I were a good player at any place in my life, I probably was in college. I got to pro. There were some people <laughs> a little different than those guys that I was playing against and with at Stanford, and so it was different. So, it, but that was uh, the, the the story. I uh, I never thought, you know, uh, as a young kid, that I w- I w- ever had a goal that I was going to be in college as a football player or as pro as a football player. It just evolved and came, and it happened. And fortunately, I had. Some of the things that, and and Bud Grant and I used to talk about those things from time to time. He told me, he said, well, probably what you had as a young age, you had some instincts related to athletics and that helps you. You know, I just, it wasn't, it wasn't in my goals uh, structure at all. It was, it just ended up, I took each step at a time and pretty soon it was all over and I had just played 11 years for the Cleveland Browns. So it was, uh, it was really kind of a neat uh, Neat life for me. And Paul, you've had—I mean, you've had the an unbelievable experience with football, as far as just you know, obviously growing up playing it, then at at every level, and then turning around and coaching it at every level. And you've been around this game for what seventy about seventy years now. What do you take away from this game? What is this game? I think for our listeners, what has the game taught you about life? 
are, what message would you like to, to, to put out there and leave for, for everyone else who um, has the dream of, of, of playing this game, whether it be high school, college, or at a professional level? I, th- I think for me, it was the camaraderie of, the, of being with the players that I played with. You know, I, I, had the, I had the benefit of crossing paths with some great players in my life. You know, I, uh, I'm, you could probably call me a coat tailor because I, <laughs> I, I uh, you know, uh, the, the names like uh, coaching uh, with Bud, what a great time in my life that was. Or coaching John Elway at Stanford or playing and being a rookie with Jim Brown wow. or playing for Paul Brown. I mean, Paul Brown was... Uh, people today, they don't know Paul Brown from Adam, but Paul Brown was some kind of a football coach. I want to tell you that. It was unbelievable. And so I had the benefit. I really had a lifetime benefit of special people uh, in my life. Uh, but again, it's, I was there with them. So it's them, not me. But but it it was I sure had that experience. Well, I mean, the way I the, listening to you talk, it's it, it's uh, humility is one thing that you definitely take away because you you look at the you look at your resume, you look at your career, and all the things that you've done. But yet, you know, the main thing for you is is the, just the folks that were around you, and you, you know, and and the humility with which. You speak of all these things. I mean, these are all things that you've done, but at the same time, it's it's amazing to hear. Just it was still the team. It was still my teammates. It was everybody else around and, me. And, and like I said, I think being part of a team really does uh, elevate so many things in your life. You know, I I still communicate with some guys I play with <laughs> at Stanford. That's a wow. long, That's a long time ago. <laughs> Because there's there there's not many of them still living, to be honest with you. Right. So that's that's life. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, I would say I wouldn't trade uh, my life for anybody. I really, it's what I wanted to do. I didn't know that when I was 16, but it sure it grows on you. <laughs> we're good. We're, we're talking with Paul Wigan, uh, seven decades plus, uh, many with the Minnesota Vikings organization in, in a lot of different capacities. You mentioned the Cleveland Browns, and I have to go back to. One name you mentioned with Jim Brown because he's such a mythic figure, and people read about him in NFL history books now, and and maybe watched him in the movies a little bit. But uh, what was that experience like? Because he is still arguably maybe the greatest running back of all time. And did you sense I, that? I, feel I, I have to. I have to believe he is. I mean, at a time he was two hundred and thirty-two pounds. That as a running back, you know, at that time if. if and could he could run with power, he could run with elusiveness. He had great vision. He had hands. He could block. Not didn't particularly like to, but could. Uh, he could do anything athletically. I saw him go bowl one night. We went a bunch of us went over went to training camp to a bowling alley about five miles away, and he beat everybody. <laughs> and I don't know where he's he a great it. lacrosse player too. I know. He, yeah, he, yeah, he changed the game. I don't know if you know that or not. He he took the the whatever they call the ball or whatever it is, and wicket or what I don't wicket know. and put the wicket against his chest and just ran over people and <laughs> oh and then my. went to the, and threw it in the basket. So they changed the game. He wow. was a, he was I'm telling you he was a man now, and in, you know and and uh, he even dressed like a champion. Everything had to be just right. Mm. 
and when he when he walked on the field, you knew you had one of the great players in the world on your football team. Another another uh, teammate, close friend of yours for many many years, and Viking fans certainly familiar with him. But then started out with the Cleveland Browns was Jim Marshall, and uh, special man for a lot of people, including yourself. And the fact that he's not in the uh, Hall of Fame is to me one of the biggest injustices I've ever seen because of his stature and everything that he accumulated. So if you could speak to relationship with uh, the one and only captain of the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, and he should, If you know, if the category is Hall of Fame, he should be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, I when I came, when I went from a player to going in directly to coaching with the 49ers, I got, I, I, I thought I knew everything I needed to know about pasteurizing, and I found out I didn't know hardly anything. <laughs> and so what I did is I was looking for players and looking for common denominators of sick of successful pass rushing and I, I concluded that he was the best natural pass rusher that I looked at him all and I looked at I'm Merlin Olsons and all of the great mm. ones of that era and they all had different attributes and different ways of doing things but just to just to put that guy on the field and turn him on wow was he a great football player and and uh, uh, and not because I played with him. He, he, he and I were, were they only there together for a little over a right, year. Right. You know, it wasn't that long. But uh, he was so many things. You know, you, you know you, there's a lot of things in football that aren't just that you see on Sunday. They're the things you see or you hear about or things that go on in a locker room or things that tie a team together. And he was all of those things, and I don't know why anybody who who does the the evaluation of of the Hall of Fame can overlook Jim Marshall because he was he was a great player. I, I, I he was a great one. Yeah, it's um, it, it is amazing. And listening to, to to you talk about that in in the guys that revolutionized the game, you, you'd have to think Jim is absolutely absolutely one of those guys oh my that gosh. that did that. Yeah. And so the recognition, is, is, you know, needs to be there. And I don't know. We can't. Uh, I don't know if we could spend. Rosie's got enough money, maybe to to get something done. But I I don't know what we what you can do. It, it's I don't unbelievable. Think there's anything it? we can do right now, other than uh, hope and keep our fingers crossed that uh, someday that the common sense will prevail and Jim will take his rightful place in, in Canton, Ohio. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's interesting because I can't I can't find the reason why he's not there. Yeah. But it is, it's, it's it, the little world we're sitting in here <laughs> yeah. in this studio is a little different than the world out there. So I, who, who knows? Stick around for more Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll be back with more from Paul Wigan right after this. Many local families cannot afford the high cost of food, gas, and groceries. You can help by donating to the Salvation Army this holiday season. Give now at SalvationArmyNorth.org. Together, we can love beyond. Welcome back to tonight's edition of Skull Stories, presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. From the field to the roof and everywhere in between, 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings, is here. Visit Vikings.com slash Science to learn more. Now let's get back into our conversation with Paul Wiggins. Now, Paul, you mentioned this little world that we're currently sitting in. You've seen this organization obviously evolved 
over the years, just from just the, from the size and the players and to the coaches and to the, the buildings, the facilities, the stadiums, what do you think of the game today? Compared uh, to just, I, I mean, just where, where it is now and, and where, where you think it might be headed. Well, it's uh, I just I just finished a book uh, called The League. I don't know if any of you have read that, but it was an interesting book because it uh, for me I wanted to read it because it tells about it tells about when the game got underway to a certain point. It got to about where I started, but I get to know a lot of the you know I cross paths with some of those names and so forth. I don't know. I look at this building, and you compare it with the building that I had in in mid in in the middle of of the ghetto of Cleveland. We had we've done. We, I can remember doing this. I can remember spreading across the whole team, uh, thirty eight or forty two or whatever it was, across the field, going walking the whole field, picking up broken glass, because people <laughs> broke glass to. Uh, you know, I could I remember going to a shower. It had it had uh, six shower heads. Four of them didn't work. <laughs> you know, and it didn't matter. You could wow. you just lined up and took a shower when your turn came, and it was it was uh, and no one worried about that. Yet that could no more happen for the wolves here in in, in mm-hmm. Minnesota. If the shower breaks, fix it. And they, <laughs> <laughs> there, just turn it off and go to the next one <laughs> in those days. So, yeah, yeah, I can see an evolution of, of the game. I don't know how much further it can go. I think every thought is given to how the game is perceived by fans and they adjust the games. Uh, the, the, competition, the competition committee, the, the facilities. I mean, look at the place we're in here. I mean— uh, it's uh, no stone left unturned in this building. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got by, uh, the, the players were in one side in a room and the coaches were in the other side in a room. And uh, that, that's the way it was. Yeah, and then look at the technology now, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. just the amount of information you can learn yeah. and know about an opponent. Yeah, and I've evolved with that a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, I started from scratch. I can remember us taking uh, the 16-millimeter film and tearing it in half and putting the wrapping around, putting a paper clip, and then hanging it on a clothes hanger. Which is where the phrase cut-ups came from. Yeah. Right? It's what you call cut-ups. Yeah, and uh, that's how we did it in those days. It was, uh, and just happy to be happy to be there, right. you know. Yeah, we're talking to Paul Wiggin, who's been involved with the Vikings for many, many decades uh, in one capacity or another, including working for both Bud Grant, uh, working with Bud Grant and Jerry Burns as head yeah, coaches. Oh boy, boy. Uh, talk about a contrast in personalities. Yeah. Uh, but what, what did you take from those two gentlemen and their knowledge of football? But they're mostly they're not their ability to to relate to their players. Well, first of all, uh, I can remember I can remember the the first meeting I went to and the players. They were a hearty bunch of guys in those days, and they were laughing and having a good time talking. And the minute Bud walked into the room, it was dead silence. Hmm. And everybody snapped their heads towards Bud. I thought to myself, I, I, I've always believed that command is the most important factor in, coach, in being a successful coach. And uh, I think Bud had more command than, than I think anybody I've ever been with. And I, 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 I even think at times about how a city was lucky enough to have a Bud Grant 
I mean, that's how big I thought he was. And uh, I, I really admired him. And I, as I've always said, I wish I could have had him as an influence at a much earlier stage of my life. And so that was, uh, but I liked him. Bernsey is a different deal. <laughs> But you know what? He was he was lovable. We still get together with Marlon. He's gone, as you know. But but uh, his wife is. Uh, we every time she's in town, we go to dinner. We go to the place that he always wanted to go because they had lemon chicken. I don't know <laughs> why Bernsey liked lemon chicken, but that's Bernsey, you know. And he was the he was. The, Bernsey, I don't know how you an innovative offensive mind. Oh, one of the most he's the, he's West Coast offense is not, but it's not Bill Walsh. It's 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 Bernsey, and he uh, and he he had great coaches here at times while I was here, came to to visit with him to learn from him. He was like a guru, but he, if you were at, a, at another environment, he's he's. A, he could be all almost a spectrum of things. What so what what about Bernsey though you think made him innovative? Is that just something is that just a quality that he had? Like he was it born to, with it had or? To be because he was not a great he was not a great he was an undersized guy at Michigan. Mm-hmm. And he played he played on the watered down team, whatever that was. <laughs> I don't know what they call it. Well, it's but, called yeah, in Michigan. It's still Michigan. They're still watered down. It's okay, but anyway, he was <laughs> he, he he was special, and I I and, and uh, I think everybody that played for Bernsey uh, uh, loved him, and will will always be thankful that they had a chance to be part of a team that he was directing. And, uh, yeah, I don't know how far it would have gone, Yeah, but hang if he wasn't fun well, to be in a staff meeting with. My goodness, Paul, I mean, for uh, you know, over seven decades uh, coaching, involved with football, what, what what are you most proud of? What what, what do you want to be remembered for as, as your legacy uh, in this game? <sighs> well, I'm not going to be remembered as a successful head coach because the, I tried it twice and the they changed the lock on me both times. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not alone in that capacity. <laughs> but uh, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I think I had. I, I think I've had uh, a positive influence in the lives of, of the players that I've been uh, uh, coaching. I, I coached some uh, defensive linemen here uh, with Dolman Millard and, oh. and uh, Henry Henry Thomas and. Johnny and Randall. Johnny Randall's another one. And I mean, these those guys were. <laughs> by the way. And, yeah. Huh? yeah. So, again, yeah, by the way, Johnny yeah. Randall. <laughs> and, uh, you know, just to be in a, in a meeting room with those guys. Was, I mean, they weren't going to, you wouldn't want them to organize the next uh, whatever. But <laughs> from the standpoint of when, <laughs> on Sunday, when it came time, those guys were ready to go. And uh, it was fun to coach. And I could tell I could write a book almost about just the things that went on in the meetings that were that would make you laugh and uh, and sometimes even probably make you cry. But uh, they were special guys, and you know I think that's where I I was at my best, and mm-hmm. I should have known that that I was better at coaching my gang and 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 not trying to be in charge of a bunch of of guys like a head coach has to be. I think a head coach of the command thing. I don't know what what the factors were, but I, I would I was the happiest in my life when I was coaching, what was at that time called my gang. Fascinating. Yeah. 
Well, Paul, we appreciate it so much. It's been great catching up with you on Skull Stories tonight. Uh, let's do it again soon. you got a million stories, and uh, I know the fans love hearing all of them. Thanks so much. Well, Mark, it was enjoyable to be. Thanks. Thanks again to Paul Wiggin for joining the show tonight. It's always great to hear about his incredible experiences uh, in football for over seven decades. <laughs> so uh, it, it's just an amazing – the guy's been around forever – knows so much about the game just his insight is is unbelievable uh but jay yeah well the buy's over we've been waiting forever for it we finally get to it now we're playing the raiders and with everything that happened i think during the bye weekend with the packers winning uh beating the kansas city chiefs at home uh that race for the wild card last remaining or those you know five six and seven yeah it, it's tightening up you know the good news for the vikings is, is that your destiny's in your own hands you go ahead and, and win out the rest of the season or win a vast majority of in the next four for sure are the big ones because that that last one in in detroit might be all done up by the time we get there next on the docket the las vegas raiders yeah and you're looking at a team that's been through, let's say it's been through a lot. The background here is relevant. Josh McDaniels came out this season as the head coach. He's been replaced by Antonio Pierce. Um, they're trying to they're trying to right their ship as best they can. So it's going to be interesting to see how we perform. I think the best news for us in our defense is going against a rookie quarterback in uh, Aiden O'Connell. And then, again, you, you have uh, the return of Justin Jefferson which fingers crossed that's a huge shot in the arm to this offensive you know offensive uh, team for sure and i think you know getting a league wide superstar back on that offense and you just feel like in some of those uh, previous games here, you're trying to figure out, you know, who's going to be the target, what's going to happen. I think a guy like JJ is such a focal point, especially defensively for the Raiders. They're going to have to pay so much attention to him. It might help free up the other guys too on offense. So for me, it's just his impact is is uh, exponential, and I'm really looking forward to getting him back on the field this week for the Vikings. Yes, Jay, we're you know we're hoping that it uh, that JJ does give us that shot in the arm. He should be healthy. It's been eight weeks, so hopefully the hamstring is is uh, is ready to go. So the Vikings, yeah, they're looking forward to getting back on track this Sunday down at Allegiant Stadium. It's a three oh five kickoff locally here on Fox. You can also catch the game right here all across the Minnesota Vikings radio network. So be sure to tune into your local listings for details. All right, thank you, Jay, and thanks again to Paul Wiggin for joining the show tonight, and thank you, fans, for tuning into another edition of Skull Stories presented by 3M, the official science partner of the Minnesota Vikings. We'll see you all again next week.